Welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast with your host, Olivier D. This is Awaken the Awesome, a podcast where we acknowledge that we are all in this together. Through enlightening conversations and personal insights, we like to engage with individuals just like you who show us how they are bringing a little bit of awesomeness along their individual journeys. Our hope is to inspire you to always keep pushing and to stay awesome along the way. Greatness does not happen within the constraints of your comfort zone. I've come to learn this as a fact and slowly but surely am leaning in more and more into both accepting and applying it. This was pretty much the catalyst that led to today's very particular exchange. I've been aware of my next guest by way of his various projects for a long time. You could say he's a local celebrity of sorts. As a dedicated athlete, having led the Montreal-based Haiti ball hockey team to a world championship in 2015, he's no stranger to overcoming the odds. As a fierce entrepreneur, he is both the creator and host of the successful Voodoo Rendezvous YouTube series, where he merges his intense as well as engaging personality with his love of broadcasting, community, and culture. As a philanthropist, he serves as treasurer and board member of Fonds 1804, a local nonprofit doing great things in regards to empowering struggling secondary school students to persevere and achieve their academic goals. But, in his own words, as you'll soon get to hear, Ainsley Bienemy, who most commonly goes by the familiar moniker Black Voodoo X, is also a committed father, ferociously passionate about his kids and their overall success along their journey. For many reasons, some obvious, some surprising, including one that really came out of nowhere toward the end, this was a very special recording for me. One could say it was because, with Black's incredible support and eagerness to force me to try something new, this was my first time doing an in-person interview, which is saying something. But if I had to place it, I think it's because I got to meet an individual whose singular energy and willingness to be completely open about the truth of his success was a very touching experience. When similar, powerful energies align in the same space, you notice. My gratitude to Black and his amazing production team for allowing this episode to happen on location. Big thanks to Barnabé Solon for the impeccable behind-the-scenes photography. Be sure to check out the show notes as I'll be including the link for the episode so you can watch it on YouTube. So let's get into this. Awaken the Awesome, episode 116 with Black Voodoo X. Here we go. For anybody catching this on uh, on YouTube, uh, you guys are pretty much used to the fact that I'm. this is probably a first-timer for anyone who's been a fan of the podcast after 100-plus episodes. So this is all about what we've been trying to promote on this podcast in terms of you have to try new things and you have to open up you know, opportunities to the universe. And when you find someone yeah, who you man. align with, with the same message and who's grinding and who's believes in this message of trying to build something better and to serve the community and to serve wow. for the greater good, you know, so when you connect with those type of people, so you just open up and say yes to the universe. So I just want to say again, first of all, Ainsley, thank you so much, wow. first of all, to I should up. be the one thanking you for being here. <laughs> Dude, my man. Enjoying this moment. It's amazing. Just the introduction that you're mentioning, the fact that you have to listen to the universe, this is priceless. It's amazing. Because we've connected on the web, we've connected on the, on the internet, just Looking at your vibe, feeling your vibe, you're such a passionate person. I'm so privileged to be on camera and on audio with you, my friend. 
ATA podcast. Thank you so much for welcoming us in your beautiful home. Thank you. Uh, thank because you. again, I've, there's always been some resistance on my perspective in regards to a lot of people saying, "Oh, you should do a YouTube channel." And I've probably I'm not sure if it was an excuse because I believe in betting on what you're good at. Yeah. But when we connected and we had that coffee, and you're True. like, you know what, you should be on the podcast. It's like, yeah, what are we going to talk about? And then you just put the idea in my head. We should record this. I was like. Ainsley, I don't really do YouTube. I got you. I got you. <laughs> yeah, man. Just bring your, yeah. just bring your flow and let's make True. it happen. This is why, guys, I invite you to always like when you're feeling that moment of of uh, hesitation and trying new things, opening up yourself to somebody you can collaborate with. Somebody bet on the other people's skills because you don't have to do it alone. And this is a wonderful way to actually welcome you to the Awaken the Awesome podcast, Ainsley. Thank oh you so God, much for being bless. a part of this adventure. I've been following you for such a long time, and now the fact that it's live. I'm on your show. I'm blessed. Thank you so much <laughs> to have me on the show. But before we start, My man. we're both Asian blood. We got to talk about this. Just talk to me about this drink before we start. Shout out to Glacé International by my friend Viculis, uh, nice. who basically uh, launched, his own, uh, launched his own uh, enterprise. Uh, you know, again, entrepreneur, you know, game recognized game. Yeah. And basically launched this uh, wonderful brand, uh, like, you know, last year, uh, very early last year. And again, you network across and, you know, with your family and your friends. And he was blessing us uh, last year during the holiday season. You have to have Haitian cremas. Everybody, to know, anybody who's uh, familiar with Haitian culture knows this cremas is a basically a very traditional drink, uh, you know, a combination of milk and syrup and, you know, different type of liquors. But it's a wonderful Haitian tradition. And uh, as I was raised very traditional, you never show up at someone's place empty handed. So I just wanted to bring this as a My God, you surprised me this morning. When you (laughs) end over that bag, I said, oh, nice. You brought me some wine. I open it up. Cremas reminds me of my young, my younger days with my with my family, my dad, my mom, uh, my cousin, Barnabu, takes all amazing pictures. Great moment, great times ahead. I, can I serve you a little? I appreciate it, man. Oh my God! Thanks to you. Oh, bye, not dos. Bye, not dos. There you go. It's 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 been something that's you know it's it's a very very good liquor. It's uh it's wow. the combination, wow. the quality. You can see that's it too, baby. I love the decoration. Again, Vic, you know, congratulations on everything. And again, we're probably gonna drop. We are gonna drop. You know, some references uh, to Glacier International's sure. website, Glacier NY, on the show notes. But uh, again, it felt like a great opportunity to again, you know, extend you know the same courtesy, the same type of energy, and open up awesome. a great conversation. Definitely not <laughs> conversation. I'm all ears. Dude, Let's have a cheers. It's cheers, my man. Cheers. cheers. Man. Um, building up because you know all my conversations are mm. very informal, and I'm very, always yeah. very open to the human to the humanity. Yeah. You know, you're an entrepreneur. You're a youth advocate. You're an athlete. You are very present into the hip hop community. You've done so much. You're yeah. you're you're on the board of Fonds 1804. You're, yes. you're, you're doing so many things. But I want to touch on something because we're both fathers, yeah. and I'm a very big advocate of fatherhood. And you actually put out a recent post on Facebook, yeah. which really touched me. I know you teased an upcoming project, which yes. is what we're probably yes. going to see in a couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, I'm not yeah. going to ask about that. But to me, what really touched me is the fact that. First of all, how does a Haitian get into hockey? I'm going to ask that question afterwards, but my initial question is like, how does it feel to play hockey with your kid on the weekends? Like, really, how does it feel to have that moment of just simple exchange of just a regular activity with your son? What does that mean to you? Just to see his eyes when he talks about hockey and uh, when I look and when he listens to whatever he says and he asks me for insights, how should I do this, that? How can I play better? How can I be a stronger player? Just for him to open up, and be vulnerable to a certain point, 
that, that it's priceless, if I can put it that way. The fact that I can spend quality time with my son, talking about a passionate sport, which is hockey, and the fact that I don't know, we're going to touch a little bit, a little bit on it is the way I started hockey when I was a kid. Yeah, man. It's different from my son. My son, he just because every all of his friends are playing, and today the difference is like this: Chinese playing hockey, Asian, African, American, all types of multicultural world. But back in my days, it wasn't like that. You touched on that. Why, why was it so hard? It was hard, man. It was hard. You play the game. You're there to play the game. But at the same time, you're playing socially. You're finding stereotypes. Kids in the room looking at you like, man, this this, this guy's from another... This guy's an outcast. Black guys don't play hockey. Black guys don't And play you hockey. can see that in their eyes. But the only thing you're struggling, you're trying to make the best out of this to, to, to show them, look beyond my color. Don't look at the black. I'm a good hockey player. I'm telling you, I'm struggling this up to probably 17 or 18 years old. But I always kept it for myself. And that's what, I, what, that's what I'm trying to do with my son, trying to tell him that don't be, don't, don't be shy about your color. Be proud. This is your history. This is your history. And when you're on the ice, don't say, I'm going to be a better player because I'm black. No, I'm going to be a better player because I'm a better person. That's all it is. Don't look at the color. But the color reminds you that you have culture. You have people that had made sacrifices when you're back in the uh, 100 and 200 years ago to make a difference. They paved the way. You're doing the same thing for your next generation. It starts with the youth. It starts with the youth. It starts with the youth. Yeah. And it's, it's a very big thing because, you know, just reading the text, and definitely we're going to try to refer yeah. it to the people for, them, for those of us uh, who haven't read it yet on Facebook. And um, it takes a very special kind of courage not to take that what was probably a very uncomfortable time, a very yeah. painful time, and bring that anger and bring that, you know, that, um, that grudge and lay it on your son and, and, and build from that. So what does that tell us about the choices that we have to make to better ourselves? Because a lot of people just make up an excuse and say like, you know what? Oh, because of my skin tone or because of my circumstances or because I came from this particular culture, I can't play hockey. I can't build a business. I can't be a media personality. I can't be a champion. So what, what does mindset mean to you in terms of the, be the better examples that we can give and grow our inner champion? What does that mean to you? I'm telling you, you know what? You, you touch on something important. is like sometimes we make excuses. And again, I'm sorry. This is my humble opinion. This is my, this is my life. I'm not saying that this is the truth, but this is my truth. When I listen, listen to my dad when I was a kid, my dad used to tell me, forget about hockey. There's no black people playing hockey. Don't play hockey. Stop. Go get a degree, be a doctor, be a teacher, be a lawyer. But deep inside of me, I said, is that the only path available for me? Either being a doctor, a teacher, or a lawyer? I want to be something else. And that, if, if, sorry, I'm getting a little emotional because there's, there's okay. a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that gets inside of me when I see this. And I see my dad looking at me saying, I felt like my dad didn't believe in me. I felt like he was like, you know what? Prends ton petit pain. Take that little bread and just eat. But at the end of the day, just be safe. Just be safe. You know, just be safe. Make that money. Do your eight to five, 40 hours a week. Don't make waves. Just go through life till the end. But at that time, I was really, 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 really mad to my, uh, mad, mad against my dad. But today I understand why he was saying this. He wanted, he wanted to protect me, and that was his way of protecting me in this world. Because he was facing a lot of grudges. He was facing a lot of stereotypes. But that 
made me a stronger person in terms of the mindset. Because today, when I try to talk to my dad, my son, maybe I'm not the perfect dad, but what I can tell you is I'm trying to let him be who he wants to be. I watched him play a basketball game this week. He's the smallest of the team. But this guy's got courage. This guy will not stop. He hasn't scored a goal throughout the old game. I was in my head saying, Malik, do this, do that. But I know that while he was on the court, he was looking at my eyes to see if I'm proud. So I really said to myself, put myself in a mindset like you're saying that, you know what, every little moment is important for my son. So whatever he does, even if it's not the right thing, I will cheer him up. I will show him that I'm his best fan, perfect advocate, and will support him whatever he does. At the end of the game, he comes to see me, sits down by my side, doesn't say anything. And I felt like it, it's that moment. It's that moment where you have to turn around, look at your son, and say, you know what, son? You did amazing. And back in, back in my days, my dad would never say that. My dad would say, oh, why did you want this? Why did you do that? And I felt, no, I'm not going to be that person. I'm going to be that inspiring person, that inspiring dad, looking at my son, and I turn around, and I go and said, Malik, you did good, man. You see that pass you did? Wow, that's amazing. And he looks at me with his eyes like, but I didn't score. What about score? I didn't care. You guys won. A team, when the team wins, it's not an individual that won the game. It's the team. So, oh, you're bringing me to a different world, my friend. It's. I see why we call it Awaken the Awesome. It's all about, for me, I don't sugarcoat it. And I tell people, I come with these conversations. What most matters to me is the authenticity of the person. Of course, I could go with the entire aspect of like, you know, the superstar that you are and the champion that you are and your achievements. We're definitely going to talk about it. But for me, it's always about the motivation behind the individual. And I know that fatherhood means a lot to you. I know you're very present in your hockey. And you're like, you know, every time I text you, it's like, yeah, I'm playing. I'm a street hockey. You know, like my son's like, damn, it's like everybody has a passion. True. But why mindset? Is because I know you're very big about the grind. You're very big about putting in the work. Yeah. And unfortunately, and we're going to piggyback on the entire fatherhood aspect. It's yeah. important for us to be the example that we want to see in our kids. And I'm wondering if you could touch about that. How important is the work ethic? How important is the effort? Because if you want to have you know a successful you know venture or entrepreneur or a health mindset, you're big about you know your your gym workouts and stuff. Mm. But As basic as it sounds, how important is hard work? How much you would think? Hard work, like it's like it. I, my favorite word is priceless. And one other thing I can say about work ethic is you're faced with failures day in, day out. Every day there's an exit door saying that, you know what? Why am I struggling? Why am I grinding? What, what is it for? I'm not getting a What's dime for this shiz. There's the exit door. Just take that exit door. But that's not me. That's not me. And thanks to my mom. My mom taught me this. Really? Yeah, man. My mom taught me this to have that mindset of whenever you see those exit doors, those easy way out, don't take them. Because this is just the devil saying, hey, come over my world. Distractions. Distractions. This is what I'm really, and you were saying that I'm trying to uh, implement that to, with my kids. But I would say my kids are giving that to me. No kidding. No doubt. Tell me no about doubt. That. I'm talking about my son, my, my Marcus, my biggest, my, my oldest. How old is he? He's 25 years old. Okay. He's 25 years old. Time flies, man. Time flies, man. But black don't crack, right? <laughs> <laughs> what, what I can tell you is that I remember when he was a, not a kid, but a few years back, he had a dream. 
And I sat down with him and said, what's your dream? What can I do to support you? He said, there's not really anything you can do for me that I just, just support. I said, what is it about? It's about me going on roof to roof, rooftops, yamakazis, and jumping over rooftops. I looked at him and said, I looked at, I looked at him as my, my dad would look at me saying, Pizzit, what are you doing? What are you thinking about? Is you crazy? And then again, like I was talking to you about Malik, I said, there, there are moments in time where you need to put a mindset and an inspirational mindset for your kid to say, you know what? My, my dad supports me. I told my son, Marcus, and he, re, he will remember that. I said, I totally disagree, but if it makes you happy and eventually it'll, it'll make you achieve to a certain dream, whatever you think of, I'm all for it. But be careful. Make sure that whenever you see that there is danger, that you're putting your life in danger, please think about your dad, think about your little brother, think about your mom. Please be careful. Right. He looked at me and said, yeah, dad. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, dad. And what are, you were saying that the work ethic, every freaking morning, he would get up, 7 a.m., goes in the backyard, takes a little table, runs, does flip over the table. Like, very small flips. I'm looking at him by the window, look, talking to my wife, saying, man, if you think he's going to make millions out of those flips, <laughs> forget about oh, it. Wow. But he was grinding. He was making those flips. Then suddenly those flips became little videos with his cell phone. Then suddenly a couple of friends came over and did some flips. There you go. Did some choreographs. Kept on going. Kept on going. Years. Three years down the road, he calls me up saying, hey, dad, I have a competition. I'd like, to, I'd like you to come. And this is one of my... This is very emotional. I get to that place. That place is called uh, The Spot. Mm-hmm. And my son sees me. Marcus, tu vas t'en souvenir. Shit. I don't know why I get emotional when I talk take about my time, kids, man. but... Take your time. Wow. He looks at me, pushes all his friends around. Dad hugs me. He's 22 years old. Hugs me. I feel like a million bucks. I feel like I'm untouchable. I feel like I'm on the top of the world. Life is still going on. Yeah, man. Life is still going on. Moment. Like that moment. And you see my son so happy. Next thing you know, now you see everybody around going towards, hey, my Marcus, hey, how you doing? Teach me how to do this. Hey, teach me how to do that. Hey, Marcus, did you see me do this? I was like in the background saying, is that my son being a mentor to all those kids? That's the work ethic. That's the kid that was jumping all over the place, be uh, my back, my background over the table, doing that grind, saying, Dad, let, trust me. Next thing you know, in the competition, they call him up. Next runner up, Marcus Bien-Aimé. My God, you see the crowd. Marcus, Marcus. And you can see all the kids. I was I don't filming. Even I was need like, to ask you what it feels like inside for you. It feels like. It feels like when your wife tells you, yes, I want to marry you. It feels the same way, but differently. Mm-hmm. But now you're seeing your son grinds to reality. And what, what happens is that when they call up his name, you could see that he's like, 
He's proud. And you can see through his eyes that he, he went through a lot of things to get into that, to that level. Mm-hmm. And when he got on, on top to do his, well, his crazy flips, I'm telling you, as a dad, you, it's just, just nuts. You got to shut off but your you brain. You know what? Let him be. Let him be. Let him do his thing. He's like, he's ready to do his jump, and he looks at me. Like, Dad, I'm going to do this. It's priceless. Priceless. It's like he's giving you the, you know what? You trusted me. I made it there. Now let me be. But throughout those years, throughout this grind, I wasn't the easiest dad. For sure. I was very hard on him. Stop doing those flips. Come and clean up your room. Stop doing this. Stop. I was telling him, stop, stop, stop. He never stopped. He never stopped. And today, he opened up, he opened up his own business. No kidding. It's called Kong Squad. That's why I'm wearing it. Because of him. Shout out to Kong Squad. Yeah, shout out to Kong Squad. He's the owner of that business. A lot of people are calling him, hey, I'd like you to uh, come and teach up some kids. What I'm seeing be, be beyond the business, beyond my son making it as the owner of that business is that he's giving back to the kids. Paying it forward. Paying it forward. And when you're talking about mindset, when you're talking about the grind, when you're talking about work ethic, the only person I can think of is my son, Marcus. That matters because that plays into the narrative. And thank you so much for being so vulnerable about yeah, it. Yeah, man. And one thing I've learned on this path, because I'm very big about, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm very big about the accountability that we have as parents with two young kids myself. And it teaches you. And again, my father was very strict as well growing up. And you understand that you learn not to judge your parents when you become a parent yourself because you understand from their perspective. And, you know, of course, there are, you know, unfortunately destructive environments you can grow up in. But at the core, parents just want to do good for their kids. And I hear you when you say, you know, stop, be safe. I'm trying to protect you. I love you enough to tell you to stop. But at the same time, you're like, this is not my dream. I'm not the one who wants to do parkour. I'm not the one who wants to carry out my dream of jumping over tables and jumping over buildings. But at the core, you understand that you just want what's good for your kid. And you learn not to judge yourself. And they learn to accept that from you and understand that it's part of growth. You have to step outside of your comfort zone. Go against what your parents want. Yeah. Go against you know, the logic of your narrative. And I want you to speak about that. How important is it for us as mentors, as parents, as people, as spouses, you know, just going on that success mindset? How important is it what we tell ourselves, the self-worth, self-belief? And how important? Because you, he could have listened to you and stopped. You know, you listen to people telling you constantly. And it's what I get from all these conversations we've had on this podcast is about what we let other people, you know, just birth into our brain. Yeah, yeah. How important is that? It's so important, man. It's so freaking important. And your kid, your kids or whoever, it's important for them to feel like they're Superman. To feel that, yes, there's kryptonite. As long as you don't let the kryptonite touch you, you're invincible. They have to get that into that mindset. But it's hard, like you're saying, as parents, we want to protect our kids. And that's hard. It's that's hard to like, you know what? Let them be. Let them be invincible. Let them make the mistakes. Let them do what they have to do. They will learn from it. What you can do though, as a parent, is to show them 
some options of bridges to cross the water mm-hmm. so they don't water the storm or they don't get into the water. Shit, it's cold. Oh, shit, it's hot. You say, hey, if you cross that bridge, this is the opportunity, but I'm not forcing you to. This is, the, this is, the option. This is an option for you. If you feel you want to go on the other bridge or if you feel like you just want to, just want to swim through the water, go ahead and do it. But these are the options and these are the consequences of your choices. But it's got, you got to be accountable for your, your choices. I'm not going to force you into those choices. But that's hard to change that mindset because we weren't, we weren't raised that way with our parents. Our parents were telling us, like I was telling you earlier, mm-hmm. you go either going to be a teacher, a lawyer, or a doctor. That's what they know. It's either one, two, or three. Exactly. That's how. That's what they know. That's what they knew from their parents. And to break those that cultural those cultural choices, it's hard. Even for ourselves, sometimes I'm like, ah, is doing that stuff. You could just just be a lawyer, make money. But that's deep in our DNA. It's part of us, right? But like you say. You have to make them feel invincible. You have to make them feel that you're there for them. You have to make them feel that you're a mentor. You have to make them feel like they're, they're the. I don't know. How, I don't know how to, to see. I'm pretty I sure you feel it that way with your kids. I get kids. you. I totally get you. You know. I totally get you. Oh man, I love because talking about my kids. It makes me emotional. And you said something key earlier. Is like my dad, or even my mom sometimes, and I can see that from most of the Asian parents. Are, they're not the ones who are going to get up, get to your room, flatter your belly, flatter your head, saying, hey, I love you. As a dad, the Asian culture is like, you have to be like the gorilla of the house. You have to be strong. You get can't up, cry. 6 a.m., go can't. change that tire. <laughs> exactly. You have to be that strong figure. But we have to be vulnerable in front of our kids. You need to show emotions. Not every day. No. Sometimes you have to be hard with it. You got to oh, be hard. Okay, on baton. Right? Sometimes. <laughs> what I'm saying is that they have to feel that there's a heart. They have to feel that sometimes we're very rational in our decisions. But sometimes you have to put the rational on the side and let the emotion talk. Vulnerability is something that's really new to parents right now. It's really Especially new. Especially men. Men. I'm also very big on that as well because mental health is very present, but the emotion, the vulnerability, the, the to be able to lift the curtain and show that there's a human side to you. You can be dad, you can be the rock, and you can be like, you know, the the gorilla, as you said. It's a great word to just protect them and shelter them. But at the same time, you can have a bad day. You're allowed to be sad. You know, the same vulnerability you're showing right now. And thank you for opening that to us. Appreciate it. Showing people that, you know, it's okay to be, you know, you know me, you know Voodoo Rendezvous, you see me grind, you see me like, you know, making this connection, being hyper. And this is what I love about the the humanity of these conversations, the fact that you're showing us the guy that we see on YouTube and the guy that I'm sitting here in your wonderful home is the same person. It's the same intensity. It's the same humanity. It's the same warmth. And that's something I applaud you for because your kids can only benefit from that. But you talked about cultural dynamics and about, you know, stepping outside of your comfort zone. And I'm not going to stop you for something. My man. You got that skill. This guy's got the skill <laughs> to bring the emotions out of you. I got to give you enough props. I understand now. Awake the, the awesome podcast. Now I get it. Appreciate wow. it. I really appreciate it. We were talking about how you have to basically own up 
to what makes you happy. You know, yeah. it was for your son. It was parkour. For you, it's your kids and hockey. And I'm not going to skip over this one because even culturally speaking, it's a funny question. How in the world does a Haitian, you know, raised in Montreal, first of all, fall in love with hockey, street hockey, and then end up in Switzerland? Champions of the Street Hockey World Championship. Walk us through that. How does oh that start? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'll try to make it as quick as possible because this is a long story. I can stop at every corner and talk to about all the emotions I got throughout the, that long journey. But like I said earlier, it's like when I was a kid, I played hockey and ice hockey. I was the only black guy most of the time. The fact that I play elite, that level where you have, you have to travel, I didn't play only in Montreal area. Mm-hmm. I played in Jean Pierre, played in Chamonigan, I played in uh, Quebec, uh, Maniwaki. Mm-hmm. So every time that I get into the arena and you see a black guy come in the arena, what I can tell you is that most of the people will look at me as, as an outcast and they will look at me with like, oh my God, this guy got, he's got the pest. He's, he's sick. You don't touch him. And you could see the parents take their kids and move them away real. from me. And when I finish a game, for example, when we win, the tradition is like both teams are facing each other and mm-hmm. they would shake yeah. their hands. I can tell you 50% of the time, 50% of the kids would not shake my hands. They would look at me and would call me names. Wow. I would go ahead, shake their hands, and they're like, or they would spit on my hand. Wow. But as a kid, you don't know better. That's what I was telling my mom. I said, mom, you didn't do anything wrong. For me, that was my world. So I understood that this is how it is. I never complained. Now, as a man, I realized what I faced. And it hurts me. But as a kid, I was just telling myself, you know what? They don't like me because I'm black. I don't care. I'm going to be the best player on that team. and I'm going to score. And every time they called called me names, called me, uh, I'm not going to see the names in front of the cameras, I would always tell the guys, hey, look at the score. I don't care how you see me, we're winning. That was my, 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 my that was my motto. I was always pointing at the at the board, and that would aggravate them, and it made, made me feel good in a certain way as a kid. It made me enforce me to be the better player, a better player, a stronger player, a team player. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's important that's really important. And I was telling my son. He's, he was looking at my trophies, and he's saying, Dad, you have a lot of trophies, not necessarily the best scorer, but fabricant best playmaker. And he was saying, was that your focus when you were a kid? I said, my focus was trying to get accepted by my teammates. So by the only way I found the way for my teammates to accept me is to be a playmaker and pass the puck. I was very good at passing the puck. I was very good at, like, I could be on a breakaway, but I would look around to see if there's any of my buddies around so I could pass the puck so he could score and he could shine. That was my motto. So that's what I told him is that those trophies, I will never throw them away because it made me the person that you're seeing right now. Your dad is a person that will always try to seek opportunities for his next door neighbor. There we go. For him to respect him and for him to accept him in his world because I felt that I wasn't accepted as a kid. So I was trying to make... That's why he understood. So... Going, growing as a black man in hockey, a lot of people were saying you should play basketball, go play soccer. But I said, no, this, this is my game. I love hockey. And I love the fact that when I was a kid, Saturday nights, these were the moments I spent with my dad. There you go. The soirees hockey on Saturday night. My dad didn't know anything about hockey, but he would preach, tell the, the house what to do, pass the puck, that, that's, but me, I, I, as a kid, 
the fact that I was spent some quality time with my dad and see my dad happy spending quality time with me, these are great memories that made me love the game of hockey. There you go. Today, when I think about it, my dad used to say not nonsense, nonsense. But he felt good. He felt like he was teaching his son about a sport that he loves. But I grew up that way. That Loved the game. Stayed in me. So growing up, growing up, growing up, I was always the, the only black guy in the ho- hockey. And I, my great buddies were all Italian. See, they taught me the game of ball hockey. As a black guy, I used to run fast. So on the court, I was always the fastest guy, the biggest guy and the fastest guy. And I love playing the game. So I love playing with the ball hockey. So I played for a couple of years. Again, high level. Played for the Black Knights. Shout out. It's probably the, it's a legendary team in ball hockey. There's either Red Light or the, the Black Knights. Mm-hmm. And I was part of the Black Knights. It's like Quebec and Montreal. Oh, boy. Like Rivalry, the rivalry, a ferocious rivalry. And I was playing in the Black Knights, and most of the guys are Italian. And they took me on the team because they know I was like kind of a good hockey player, but I wasn't afraid to drop the, drop the gloves. I wasn't afraid to go in the corners, head it down, and protect people. I was a protector. So they taught me, they got me into that game. And as I was playing the game for a couple of years, we won championship, national championship, uh, regional championship. We were really like the Black Knights were like the team to beat. And you see slowly but surely a couple of black people in the crowd looking at me like with open eyes, pointing at me saying, this guy can run. Like you could, you could see their, in their behavior, but nobody knew me. I didn't, I didn't know any black guys. Mm-hmm. And then slowly but surely, some black people were coming to play. They weren't playing at my, my level, but at lower level, they were playing. And every time they would call me, they would text me, say, hey, you want to come and play in our league? Uh, I'd love to, but now I'm part of the Black Knights. And, you know, it's it's a tradition. I cannot play for other teams. I'm I'm devoted to the Black Knights. There you go. But they were always praising me. Hey, come, come, come and play. We've seen you play. You're a good player. We could have like an all-black team. I remember that was 207. That guy, I forgot his name, said that we could have an all-black team. An all-black team? That makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. And Robert Attic, that's our coach, 206, we had a team called All Blacks. We had Georges Lahac playing in the team, his brother. We had Patrick. Patrick, you remember this? And we had Rob Attack. He was the black, he was a black coach. He had the same struggle I did, but he lived in the West Island. I was in East End, so okay. we never crossed. Okay. He was a little older than me, and he was talking about building a black hockey team high level. And at that time, we were playing body checks with like big guys playing, playing against George. George was on my, on my oh, side, so that was good. <laughs> but we were like a couple of black guys. But in 2014, because I'm skipping some years, mm-hmm. again, I get a phone call. Actually, not a phone call. I get a Facebook message. And this guy writes to me, we're building a, we're trying to make a, a Haiti representative team, and we would like you to come to the tryouts. I'm there. Tryouts? Haiti? What, they want me to travel Haiti and try, try, to, try to make the team? And the years, the years passed, but I, I play for Team Canada. I play for high level. So for myself, tryouts? Especially for Haiti? Is there any black guys, Is enough that, black guys that can play the game? Even to this day in 2020, just hearing you say that, even though we know how the story unfolds, but just marrying those two words, Haiti 
and hockey. <laughs> yeah, man. For me, it just still does not make sense. It but does. you made it happen. Walk us through that. Yeah. So I get that, that message. I get that call. The guy goes, you know, we have a tryout next Sunday. If you want to pass by, we know who you are. It'd be good to have you in there. And, you know, but it was like kind of, it wasn't, it wasn't like that, that, that speech where you're like marketing speech where you, you got to go. So I say, you know what? It's Sunday morning. I have nothing to do. Let me go check it out. Might as well. Might as well. Bro, I get to that arena in Laval, Sparks Pro. There's probably 75 guys on the rink. Trying to make the team. You got skilled players and you got shitty players. But I didn't care. The fact that I saw all those black guys, the on first thing that came to mind is not, hey, I want to represent 80. I said, man, let's do five on five with two black goalies. Wow. I've never done that in my life. That was the first thing that came to mind. All the guys come and say, oh, and Slee, you're coming to play with us. How are you going to make the team? I said, no, I just want to have fun. I just... Man, all these guys, all these Asian guys, I want to see this. It only starts with one. One guy. So we started doing the tryouts. We went through the struggle. Slowly but surely, because we were, like you are saying, we going to Switzerland in June 2015. And that trial was in December of 2014. Thank you to Billy and Mike Fisseme who had that dream and that made that dream a reality. Closer we get to, the, uh, to that, that tournament, the closer we realized the, the the soldiers that were like my brothers I call them today we made it we realized that hey we can do something we can do we can make a difference we can play the game we raised we were born and raised in Montreal the majority of us and what did we play in the streets we played hockey we had fun let's have fun let's have fun let's have fun and let's represent a country do what makes you happy so the next thing you know we officialize we go to the embassy we meet the uh, Forgot his name. Sorry, I forgot his name. But uh, Justin Vial. Sorry, Justin. He's the, he's, we we needed that we needed that paper to to uh, to have like how do you say derogation to allow us to represent Haiti, but as non-born Haitian. Okay. So next thing we know, we sit down in front of Mr. Justin Vial in the embassy. We're like four of us: Billy, Mike, Stephen, and myself. We're sitting down, we're all stressed, and we're all like, can you just give us the paper? We just, just want to go. He said, like, yeah, chill, hang guys. On, let's, have a, let's have a tat. Hang on. Do you know what this, what this, what this guy is? Like, we was talking about Aristide. We was talking about, like, uh, Dissalin. Mm-hmm. God bless Billy. Billy know this new story of all these guys. <laughs> so he start talking about those stories. And then the, ch- the biggest challenge, he turns up to us and says, do you guys speak Creole? And I, the guys were like, yeah, but I did it. I, I think I did something special. I turned around and said, Justin, we all understand Creole when our parents are, are not in a, good, in a good mood. We all try to speak the Creole, but it's not the Creole from Haiti. It's the new Creole from Montreal. There you go. It's the new Creole from Montreal, and we'll do our best to speak it to you. There you go. And he said, that's all I wanted to hear, that you're willing to make the sacrifice, make the difference to represent our nation. And yes, I will sign that paper. Wow. We saw the, the, uh, the Justin Vias signing that paper. I'm telling you, his tears came to our eyes saying that it's got to be an emotion. It's finally happened. Yeah, and, uh, it's an emotion. It really, that emotion. I remember that as if it was yesterday. We took that paper. <sighs> Next thing you know, we get to Switzerland. 
I'm telling you, we look good. <laughs> we had the suits, the red, blue, and the white was to the fullest. But remember when I was a kid yeah. telling you that I get into those arena, people looking at us like black guys? Same thing. A bunch, 25 black guys all suit up, get into the arena. You hear some people say, oh, these guys are probably for the halftime show. Oh, these guys are probably going to dance or rap or something. Wow. That was the first thing that came to my mind. We looked at each other and said, you know what? That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. I want to win this tournament. We're going to do whatever it takes. We want to win that tournament. First game, we played against Italy. No, before we, go, we play the first game, I need to... All right, so we get into the arena. We're all suited up. We're ready for war. But before we get into that first game, before we get to that first game, there's the opening ceremony. And that opening ceremony, we, as a player, we have the privilege to bring the flag of our nation throughout the arena. And you do like the round of this mm-hmm. with that music and all that stuff. You have that privilege to have that flag, to bring it in the arena and represent not only your team, not only your family, not only your next door neighborization. But the nation, the Asian, la diaspora, everybody in this world, myself, Billy, Money Man, and Mike, we realized that just before going into the arena. Everybody was very formal with the music, coming in with their flags. Hey, hey. Knowing voodoo? Hells no. We get into that arena, I start doing the sea walk <laughs> with that flag. <laughs> Bro, the arena went bananas, bananas. But for me and my buddies, we were dancing, chilling, sea walking. The fact that people paid attention, not only to us, but to that flag. There you go. Again, that word, priceless. But that gave us the momentum to start the tournament. First game, shaky. Everybody's like nervous. Is this really happening? Most of the guys, oh God, we're really it's their doing first. This. Exactly. Why are we doing this? The f- Do I really deserve to be on that rink worldwide? First game we play, play against Italy. Italy. A lot of guys that I played against to, to many tournaments experienced. They knew that we were nervous. They played with our nerves. They played smart. And we lost that first game. Okay. We get into that room. Coach Robert, thanks again, gives us that amazing speech. And that speech was revolutionary. Mm -hmm. Is that the word? He didn't talk about the game. He said, this game, guys, it's not about only the... This tournament is only about Asian. This is about black people in the world. Everything that black people went through for the last 400 years. Africans. Somalians. Asian, Jamaican, guys, it's beyond your, beyond you. You guys are warriors. You guys are fighting for the black community. That speech, you could see, you could hear a fly in the room. The mindset just clicked. It clicked. We never looked back from that, following that speech. Armenia, France, they all went through the Asian thunderstorm. We won every single game till the end. We get into that final. 
And I felt like I'm the type of guy who, who preaches on, on the court. Mm-hmm. I don't like to do big speeches and all that stuff. Even though I was a captain, they will, I, I, I practice what I preach. Mm-hmm. So I'm on the ice. I struggle. I grind. That's how I show my leadership. You lead by example. Lead by example. But at moment, on the, uh, before we started the game, the speech from Robert really got, got to me. And I spoke, to, I took the guys and I said, guys, in 207, I won that championship for Team Canada. And I was the only black guy in that team. Now we're in the finals. We're in playing against, eh? In Switzerland. In Switzerland. No, but in, t- in Canada, we're in, in uh, Germany. We mm-hmm. won. Mm-hmm. But now, guys, we're family. Remember what Robert said? We have a chance. To make a difference. Everybody in this crowd, everybody from the organization never thought that we'd be, we would be in the final. They all thought that we were, jo- we were a joke. Are we going to walk that to the arena, walk that patinois act as jokes? I want to be warriors. Are we going to fight for those ancestors that were killed to pave the way for us? We're doing the freaking same thing today, guys. I had that emotional speech And it went like a crescendo. And you, I could see through the eyes of all my brothers. The warrior mindset. The warrior mindset. We got into that ring. We never looked back. Patrick Chéry with the top shelf goal made us win 4-2. Crazy. It was just crazy. That is something it was you just carry yourself with you for life. Forever. Forever. Like I was saying, these are not my teammates. These are not like my warriors. These are my brothers. Brothers till I die. When we get into that airplane, go back to Montreal because we party. I'm going to skip the party part. <laughs> we'll get into that plane. What you could see in the eyes of the most of the people that were on the plane looking at us, the same way that they were pulling their kids towards, towards them because mm-hmm. they didn't want to touch, they didn't want us to touch them, it was the other way around. They were pointing at us. Hey, are you the Team 80? Are you that Cinderella story? Are you the guys who won? Are you the guys who made a difference? Are you the guys who won playing hockey? Is there any hockey? Wow. Next thing you know, you see this guy watching the newspaper and looking at us. La Presse. Wow. First page of La Presse. Cinderella, Cinderella story in Switzerland. And you see her picture. First page of, the, of La Presse. And goes even Bro, beyond. You know, everybody said the same thing. Can't wait for my dad to see this. Can't wait for my mom to see this. Can't wait for my wife to see this. Every time we talk about Haiti in the newspaper, what is it about? Cholera, earthquake, genocide, war, civil war. That's all we talk about, Haiti. Now you're on the first page of La Presse. Of La Presse, talking about Asian winning gold for their nation. At hockey. In hockey. In Switzerland. I will take Georges Larac's word, we stole their game. It's all about hockey. It's all about hockey. And Man. it goes beyond just the fame. It goes beyond all the partying. It goes beyond just being on the first page. It's at the core. When you know your why, when you talked about going back to Maniwaki or you know, Limoilou or Quebec City and everything you had to go through. And you carry that 
into this mindset, what we call the warrior mindset a little bit earlier. And you know, like, listen, I'm not going to bring grudges. I'm not going to bring anger. I'm going to bring experience. And you gave that to your team. And, you know, it's been, what was it, 2015? 2015. Right now we're in 2020, five years later. And, you know, throughout our interactions, both on and offline, I know you're still in that warrior mindset. Mm. You're still in that growth mindset about your business, about how you carry your parenting, how you carry about, you know, your own personal online media persona. And, you know, it even shows about the, the energy you bring, the root of honor. You're very fierce. You're very ferocious. You attack everything with sincerity. And that's something I applaud you for Appreciate because it. it's something that is very true. And that is something that you definitely can teach us in regards to, you know what? It, art star- it all starts from what I get from that wonderful message. It all starts with the decision. Or do I go out as a joke? Or, you know, is winning going to be my only option? You always have a choice. True. And I want you to speak on that. You know, we always have a choice into tomorrow, into what we're going to do now, later, tomorrow, next week. How important is it what we tell ourselves in regards to pushing ourselves forward to the next level? I think it's really important what you're touching right now is we always have a choice. We have, we always have it. Uh, we, we always have to make a decision. When we wake up in the morning, you get up, you have the choice of going to work or not. When you get up, you have the choice to tell your wife, I love you or not. You have the choice to get up and see your son. Hey, you need a lift to go to school. You, you're faced with so many choices, many in, in life. And you're always like stressed about the decision you're making. But at the end of the, at the end of the day, you're accountable for your decisions. And if you feel and if you know that those decisions are the right one deep inside of you, that mindset you were talking about, you can't go wrong. You just can't go wrong. Because if you're making a decision, it's shaky because you're making a decision to make other people happy because uh, you're trying to play strategize your decision, eventually catch up. I call it bad karma. I call it bad karma. But it's so important. I, I love that approach. Is it's important to make a decision, make that decision, cheer that decision, live up to that decision, and enjoy and appreciate that decision. Because it'll make you a better man. It'll make your next door neighbor a better man as well. I believe in that. Solely, strongly. Younger day, my younger days, I didn't necessarily believe that. Because I was more of a, mm, how can I make a decision that will not hurt my surroundings? And I was not thinking about myself. And that's like you said, when I talk about my voodoo rendezvous, the way I stand out, the way, because it's me. I feel like it's me. It's not fake if you understand what I'm saying, right? It's my personality. It's my extra, extraverti, mm-hmm. if I could say it that way. Extrovert. Extrovert, mm-hmm. yeah, extrovert. But again, you have to cherish those decisions. You have to make a decision. The baddest decision you can make is not making a decision. Never That's stand still. That's how I see it. Never stand still. As simple still. as that. Black, man, it's one of these incredible circumstances when you're able to share a space with an individual so passionate, so devoted, so ferociously committed to doing good. And man, I can't thank you enough for this wonderful time. I want to keep my promise. I know you're a very busy guy, and I just wonderful want to thank you for the opportunity to Appreciate welcome it. us, welcome the Awakening Possible, the awesome adventure <laughs> into your home. Uh, first experience, definitely doing this an in-person interview. And again, I can only thank you and your team for allowing this to happen. Wow! And man, I can't wish you nothing more than success and nothing less down the road and onto the greater, greater goods and the greater heights that I see this terrific adventure for you, dude. 
Thank you so much for the inspiration, the wonderful message. Wow. I really appreciate it. I'm going to put you on the spot. Running tradition on the podcast. We always like to open up the floor. You've given us so much to work with, but on the final final, uh, final step uh, towards uh, leaving, leaving the listeners with, I always like to say a quote, a wonderful thought, an uh, inspiration, a meme whatsoever, a call to action that anybody can wake up to tomorrow and take that next step towards the next level. What can we leave them with? The only thing I can say is, First of all, for, I really want to thank you. I really, really want to thank you. I'm in your house you. and you're thanking me. <laughs> hey, it's not about you in my house. You're in, you brought me to a world. It was like a medicine. It made me feel good. You have that passionate eye. You have that passionate voice. And you are a passionate person. And I surround myself with passionate people. People who have dreams, people who are ready to break boundaries, break bridges, break walls, and you have that personality. Appreciate it. The day when I saw you on the web and I saw AT podcasts, and I said, you know what, let me just listen to this. Now, this guy's got something. This guy is special. Not because of his voice, that Dr. Phil type of voice, <laughs> but he's bringing the best out of his interviews. And that, I appreciate the fact that you did that with me today. I felt good. I feel good. I got something for you. Appreciate it, man. I've always got something to give away to my... Oh, come on. Come on, man. Man. You got cremas? Dude. In the original voodoo. Batman design? Voodoo? Oh, no. Batman design said, you're meeting AT Podcast? I'm a fan of the show, but dude. This is for you, bro. No. Oh, my God. Open it up, buddy. Oh, I... Wow. Dude. Yo, this is for you. Wow. Your own AT Podcast. My man. Wow. <laughs> it's got the logo and everything. Oh, I'm, I'm really emotional. What is your dick? Yeah, man. Oh, I don't know how to feel, man. Bring it in. Bring it in. Oh, man. Number love, man. Oh, this is nothing but love. This is wow. Wow. I'm gonna cherish this. Batman design, my man. Batman design brings love. I love his work on Instagram. I follow him really closely, and again, I'm a big fan of your interview. So, oh man, I've seen this. I'm like, man, these are so slick. These are Uh, that's you, man. That's you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Wow, (laughs) guys. You guys don't see my face. You need to watch the episode on YouTube. Oh, wow. This is really emotional. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Thanks to you, man. This means a lot. So, to get, again, to take away, a quote to take away is like, I always use that, say that in my shows and I'll say it again is, make sure your passion becomes your reality of your day to day. Make sure that you keep and, and staying passionate. Make sure that your dreams are not killed by your surroundings, not killed by your close ones, not killed by enemies, not killed by work, co-workers. If you have a dream, believe in that dream, grind, grind, grind till you make it. It'll happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. Yeah. Guys, this has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome Podcast, a very intimate and very... You know, just very emotional exchange of yeah, uh, wonderful uh, minds that align and the universe uh, just coming together to make awesomeness happen. Awesome. Guys, just be sure to catch this interview both on the audio and the video once it goes live. I'll be sure to link up all Black uh, Black's contents on the blog post once it goes live. Guys, thank you so much for, for always supporting the podcast and this mission. Be sure to follow Black on YouTube, Voodoo Rendezvous, the channel. Follow him on Instagram. 
Facebook, definitely worth your time. And uh, please also go to do, go uh, appreciate his wonderful exchanges because Voodoo Rendezvous is one of those dynamic uh, exchanges that you need to, to experience yeah. from my own from my own perspective. Trust me, it's worth your time. Clicking up to Climas. Yes. Shout out to Glacier International for providing oh, no, you know, the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Climas. Mm. Mm. For this exchange, Woo. guys, as always, stay resilient, stay beautiful, stay hungry, stay grinding, but stay awesome. That's right. Ciao, guys. The podcast, baby. This has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. We always love to get your feedback, so please do drop us a line via Instagram, Facebook, or email. Our email address, awakentheawesome at gmail.com. Do visit our official website at awakentheawesome.ca, where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and incredible guests. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us a review, as this helps us tremendously in growing this podcast and spreading the word to more awesome listeners like you. We always appreciate your support, and thank you for listening. Stay awesome.